The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Jeff Mills. Tonight on Fast, we're all over this busy night of earnings. We're tracking the after-hours action. Apple, Facebook, Ford, and Qualcomm. Many of those analyst calls just kicking off. We'll bring you all the trades straight ahead. Plus, Powell stays put. The Fed brushing off inflation fears, saying now is not the time to start talking about tapering. So did the Fed just give another all-clear to the markets? And later, no jokes here, what Mark Cuban said to Ellen DeGeneres that sent Dogecoin to the moon. But we start off with earnings alerts from the two biggest companies reporting results tonight. Facebook and Apple both on the move in the after-hour session. Those conference calls are now underway. Full team coverage standing by to break down the numbers. Julia Borson's digging in on Facebook. We start with Josh Lipton with more on Apple's quarter. Josh. So, Melissa, remember heading into this print, Apple was up about 10% this month on track for its best month since December, now heading higher here in the after-hours. As for the results, easily besting expectations here on the bottom and the top segments. iPhone, 47 7.94 billion. Expectations were for 41.4 billion. Services 16.9 billion. Mac 9.1 billion in the core. The street was closer to 6.9 billion. And iPad 7.8 billion. Street there was closer to 5.6 billion. Wearables, home and accessories 7.84 billion. Capital return news: the board authorizes an increase of 90 billion dollars to the existing share repurchase program. Company does not provide formal guidance at this time. I did have the chance to speak with. CEO Tim Cook about the quarter on the iPhone. Cook telling me the iPhone grew 66%. It was driven, Cook said, by strong demand from the iPhone 12 family. The iPhone 12 is the most popular iPhone, but we had extremely strong results at iPhone 12 Pro and iPhone 12 Pro Max. Cook said the carrier deals in the U.S. are supercharging the demand in the U.S. It is a highly competitive marketplace, and you see iPhone doing extremely well around the world. To that end, Cook also talked to me about the trends and themes he's seeing in China, saying we are seeing strength across the product line in China. iPhone did extremely well, but Mac, iPad, wearables, home and accessories also did well. We had the top two selling smartphones in urban China. The conference call is kicking off right now, Melissa, and we'll bring you those headlines as they come. Yep, keep us posted. Thank you very much, Josh Lipton. So the stock is up 3% in the after-hour session thereabouts. And for the year, the stock is up about 4%. Tim, is this going to be enough to prove to investors that this is a stock that should go higher? Well, I, yeah, I love the service revenues. Uh, I love the fact that some of the places that we were concerned about the, the, the business or there could be concern, whether it's China, uh, the fact that you've got a, a multiple on the stock that's 
difficult at, at this point is is the big issue. I, I actually like it relative uh, to the charts. It's had a chance to test down. Uh, it put that base in somewhere in the low 120s. Um, I think you know you you have a momentum dynamic relative to other names in mega cap tech, where actually Apple a- has been a bit of a laggard. So look, these were extraordinary numbers. The international sales, 67 percent. The services numbers, the China numbers, uh, and the fact of the matter is, uh, the multiple reflects a lot of great news. I, I, I like Apple here. Uh, I am an investor in Apple here, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trade these numbers. Every potential flashpoint, services, China, they all came in strong at this point. And, and to put this in perspective, this is a $2 trillion market cap company that just grew revenues about 54%. Extraordinary is almost not the word, Guy Adami, but still the stock is up 3% after hours on what was an extraordinary quarter. And going into the earnings uh, call, it was basically flat for the year. So where is the issue? Is it valuation at this point, even with these numbers? Should be higher. I mean, with this quarter, it should be higher. You know, services now holding steady at 19% of revenue, which is fine. If you want to be a naysayer, if you want to nitpick, you could say, We'd like to see it in the low 20s in terms of overall revenue. Okay, I get it. But all the rest of these numbers are just ridiculous. The stock should be testing, in my opinion, the all-time high that we made, I think, on January 26th or thereabouts, which is 145 and change. We're not. I will give them, now that we're two quarters in, you give them $6 a share this year, and you're looking at a stock that's trading at a market multiple slightly above. So I hear everything that Tim is saying. This is the test. Does it take out the previous all-time high from January? Do we languish here? I think we're going to know a lot more in about 15 or 20 minutes. Yep, up 3.5% right now. Uh, Karen, what did you make of the quarter? So the quarter was obviously outstanding. Um, You know, really the hardware was the real highlight. And that's great. And that's part of the story for sure. The only problem about the hardware being the real highlight is that the margins on the hardware are different than the margins on the software. So you had great operating margin expansion. It went to, I think, 30.7, which is fantastic. Um, I, I really like that. Um, I, as Guy said, the only thing if you had to, you know, pick something, I'd rather see growth, maybe in uh, more growth in services. But it was it was outstanding. There were a lot of naysayers about this quarter. I really believe the whole 5G yep. story is very much intact, and um, it, it ain't cheap. That's for sure. But it shouldn't be. I mean, right? This is a premier company. Um, so I'm long. I'm staying long. What do you want to hear on the conference call, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, what more can you hear? I mean, I I think that across the board, it was a great quarter, um, but I do want to hear them address things. I think margins are important. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about the chip shortage, whether that's impacting things, whether they're seeing key inflation uh, in certain materials. But across the board, great quarter. Uh, It's hard to really find anything to nitpick at, as everyone else has said. But again, this is a stock that Maybe it does trade sideways for a little while. Maybe it does underperform for a little while. You have to remember, over the last three years, this is a stock that's outperformed the S&P 500 by 170%. So even if we've lost a little bit of momentum here after testing the 200-day, so what? As Tim said, you're an investor in this company. We hold the company. We're going to continue to do that. Uh, And just in the long run, it's unrivaled across the board, whether you're talking about the ecosystem, the customer loyalty, wearables, services, even iPhone, you can still see growth here going forward. There's a billion active iPhones throughout the world. 
That's 13% of the population. So thinking even further down the road into India and Africa, I mean, these are areas where they can even grow the hardware uh, outside of services and wearables, which everyone's focused on right now. Sometimes flat isn't bad, particularly when you have a company that's increasing their share buyback program by $90 billion and also increasing its dividends. It's got a massive cash position, so you've got that going for it, Guy. But in an environment in which interest rates may go higher, is flat really flat, you think, in Apple's case? Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's fair. That's been a concern. I, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm in the camp that interest rates are going higher. So I guess to your point, if you think that's the case, maybe you do fade the stock here. I don't necessarily think it's that big of a headwind for Apple, but that's just my view. I think clearly it's a headwind for other higher valuation tech names. I think what people are going to be concerned about is, you know, valuation. Uh, to Karen's point, you would have liked to see a little bit of a better mix. But again, that's just nitpicky. I think the stock should be testing that 145 level again. We're going to see over the next, we're going to see during this show mm -hmm. if the conference call gets us there. All right, let's turn to Facebook. In the meantime, that stock hitting a fresh all-time high in the after-hour session. The company's conference call is underway. Julia's got the details. Julia. Well, Melissa, fa Facebook beat expectations on the top and bottom line with its user numbers growing, though coming in just a hair short of expectations. But the stock is moving higher really on the company's guidance, saying they expect second quarter revenue growth to remain stable or modestly accelerate relative to the first quarter's growth rate uh, which uh, and relative to last year, which had weaker comparisons. Facebook did say they expect year-over-year -year growth rates to significantly decelerate sequentially as they lap periods of increasingly strong growth in the second half of the year. Now, Facebook CFO David Weiner saying, quote, we can continue to expect increased ad targeting headwinds in 2021 from regulatory and platform changes, notably the recently launched iOS 14.5 update, which we expect to begin having an impact in the second quarter. This is factored into our outlook. But Mark Zuckerberg teasing to other growth opportunities ahead. He said in his Quote, in the earnings release, we will continue to invest to aggressively to deliver new and meaningful experiences for years to come, including in newer areas like augmented and virtual reality, commerce and the creator economy. I'm going to jump onto this call, Melissa, and we'll be back to you with more. OK, Julia, thank you so much. Um, Karen, we heard snippets in terms of the strength of the ad market from various other companies that have reported, namely Alphabet mm -hmm. and a snap. But what, what really stood out to me was that. Um, they were saying that ad growth will, will continue to be primarily driven by price for the rest of 2021. By price. So they're able to raise prices and continue to do so for the rest of the year. Right. That, that language was really impressive. I think, you know, they talked about this quarter, 30% of the revenue beat was price. 12% was in the number of ads going up. So, I mean, that, but the momentum isn't over. That's what you're, the point you're getting at, which is really impressive. They also talked a little bit about expenses being a tad higher. I think they usually guide expenses a tad mm -hmm. higher, and actually CapEx, they guided just a tad lower. So that would leave a gigantic big free cash flow number. This stock, unlike Apple, this stock is really not expensive. And when you back out that cash hoard, it is really not expensive. I know Guy loves talking about operating margins, 43% operating margin. That is as high as any quarter, up with the exception of fourth quarter, which is their highest revenue. That, that's a staggering number. So thank you, Facebook. I'm <laughs> staying long. Um, Jeff, what did you make of this quarter? 
Yeah, it's strong, and 300 has been the level that I've been keying off of, and now after hours, you're, you're well above that. You know, Facebook's the stock, and Apple is similar, too. You know, I've been talking about this cyclical rotation, the rotation from growth into value, you know, but really it's a rotation into fundamentals. So even when you look within growth, growth isn't working. So it's, it's really the fundamentally sound companies, the more reasonably valued companies like Facebook, that's where you want to be in growth, because in a diversified portfolio, you're going to have a little bit of both. So I think Facebook is a good defensive stock, and you have to continue to differentiate between companies that aren't making money and have a lot of debt, and companies like Facebook. And to Karen's point, I think it's probably the most undervalued of the FANG stocks, and they beat on digital ads. It looks like that's going to continue to be strong. I think the issues with iOS are known, and you just can't underestimate the network effect of a company like this and the moat that it, it drives around that business. And just very quickly, I think the stuff about AR and VR is very interesting uh, for the long term. You know, th we've talked about the metaverse and these digital universes. I think this is going to be massive, and I think Facebook is really well positioned. So I'm very interested in that story longer term. Yeah, um, and to think that iOS and the potential impact is already factored into this guidance, which is pretty rosy, um, that's pretty astonishing as well. Tim, um, what do you think of Facebook and its valuation? Where should it be? Where does it deserve to be <sighs> based on what we heard from the quarter? Well, you know, listen to what everybody's saying, and congrats to Karen, who's saying, who said all along she likes the company, she likes the stock. Uh, congrats to Guy, who says he hates the company, he likes the stock. Um, and, and Jeff, who's saying that this is actually should be defensive. If you're looking at their pricing power, especially in the ad space, up 30%, and, and you look at those DAUs uh, at $1.8 billion, you, you understand the might of this company. There's no one that can touch them in terms of this, this type of a platform. The fact that they're also now getting into shops, and, and so the e commerce story, uh, I think, for Facebook is one of the next drivers. So, so look, as someone that has not liked the company or liked the stock, um, I, like, I have to acknowledge that the breakout of 305, um, the, 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 the deep, deep value relative to the other mega cap uh, tech peers. And it, and it seems as if all this regulatory dynamics and even the social, uh, call it sentiment against Facebook, and certainly advertisers never ran too far. Um, may, maybe this is the most defensive of the mega caps. It's certainly the most defendable valuation, even though I have not been defending it. Think about what has been thrown at Facebook in ter terms of potential regulatory headwinds, social unrest, etc. The list goes on and on and on and on. And yet, the number of ads have increased, Guy. The price per ad has increased. I mean, this really proves that it's the, it's the, ga it's the only game in town, dare I say, when it comes yeah. to advertising. Yeah, no, you <laughs> dare you say that. And I'll, and I'll say, you know, to quote Top Gun, the list is long and distinguished. <laughs> are you a fan of poetry, Mel? I think you are, right? You're, you like poetry. So Thomas Wyatt, um, the great poet, they flee from me. I actually talk about that from time to time on the show. Nobody is fleeing from Facebook. And we've said this all along. I hate everything about I can't even tell you the fact that people can't spell vaccine on Facebook because some the Facebook police everything about Facebook is reprehensible to me other than the stock and now with this quarter these ARPU numbers operating margins north of 11 billion dollars I'll let Tim do the ARPU thing for you I mean it's staggering you want to know where it should be you can make a you can make an argument to have anywhere from a 28 to 30 forward multiple it's a 400 dollar stock and I think you're going to start seeing analysts raise their price targets over the next week or so. All right, let's get more reaction on these tech earnings. Bring in Fast Money friend and Loop Ventures founder Gene Munster. Gene, let's, let's start it off with Facebook here. Seems like an extraordinary okay. quarter. And does this prove that it should, it should have a re-rating to some effect? 
Maybe in the near term, I think it does. I agree with Guy. I don't like the company. I like the stock. That's over the next year because you have uh, some easy comps the next quarter and um, you know this unprecedented spike we're seeing in consumer demand. Facebook's going to capture a lot of that. I think the question comes down to innovation. I think Jeff was talking about the metaverse. I'm a huge believer in the metaverse. I do not want to spend time in the metaverse, but I do believe that this is a fundamental shift in terms of how uh, we will communicate with each other. I think Facebook and Apple, both of those, have a good pole position within that. Recall that Facebook has these uh, Facebook glasses that they have said that they're going to make. They haven't given a time frame. We think it's 2025. So to answer your question, Melissa, about uh, Facebook and what you know what to do with all this, the near term is going to be really strong. I think outside of this year, it still begs a question around innovation. Perhaps it is around the metaverse and augmented and virtual reality. We're going to hear a lot more about that. I think I would uh, view that there's a better way to address that investment opportunity through Apple. But undoubtedly, I think Facebook is going to get some uh, benefit to that. Imagine if you had a Facebook that operated for the metaverse and you sold ads in the metaverse. I mean, it's just it's mind blowing what you can think of Facebook could do operating in the metaverse um, for Apple Gene. What do you think of the what do you think of the quarter? What does Tim Cook need to say in order to get investors to say, you know what, it deserves this valuation and it deserves maybe even a richer one? You know, I have a different view than the traders on the valuation. I actually think that it's uh, kind of more at the, the lower end. I understand that Facebook is is lower, but still this is, uh, when you look at transformative tech, and I put that in the companies that are really going to change the world again, this is about as uh, attractive as a valuation as you can get. So to your question about what can Tim Cook say, there's very little because he's not going to talk about the substance, about how some incredible growth years are still ahead of this company. Everything from hardware as a service, we talk about this, uh, we refer to it as a 360 bundle to be able to rent a Mac, an iPhone, your services all together. We think that's coming in the next couple of years. We're gonna hear likely about mixed reality, those goggles in, at the developers conference. That's, a, that's part of the metaverse, that's a big opportunity. And then it remains what they do around automotive. That's a, depending on how you look at the, the addressable market, multi-trillion dollar addressable market. So I would say this is, let's just take a quick step back. The, this was a good quarter, it was a great quarter. I don't know what the adjective is. It's probably as good of a quarter, as much upside as I've seen in a decade from Apple. What I can say is that the naysayers will say it's not sustainable. And understand that, but that has been a well-traveled uh, theme around this. And Apple, year in, year out, delivers. And I think they'll continue. I'll leave with this thought is I have a prediction that Apple is going to be the top performing thing for 2021. I am, I'm well behind Google right now. I think they're up 30 40%. Apple is just up fractionally. And I continue to stand behind that. I think that results tonight, they will eventually get credit for it. And as they start to uh, step into some of these new growth uh, curves. All right. Gene, great to have you with us. Thank you, Gene Munster. Thank you. This time next year, Guy, it's another game. <laughs> this time next year, we'll look back and say Apple was the top <laughs> performing big cap tech stock of 2021. Where do you stand on that statement? I, I would go, I mean, listen, Gene's, he's, he's a Is master Gene? at this. If, if you want me to rank them, I think Google's going to be the top performer, followed by Facebook, followed by Apple. So, that would be my, if you, you know, the win play show for this Saturday's Kentucky Derby, that's the way I would play that, that <laughs> horse race. The one question, Karen, that you'd be looking to have answered on the Facebook call. Uh, oh, oh, 
I guess it would be about future commerce would probably be number one. I want to hear that as a growth driver. All right. We'll keep you all posted on what goes on in this con on these conference calls. Meantime, we've got another earnings alert for you. Ford on the move after reporting results. The company CEO just sat down with Jim Cramer. We will tell you what he is saying about the chip shortage. And later, who let the doge out? The cryptocurrency soaring today on the back of some big star power chatter. We'll bring you all the details and a lot more when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Ford. Shares of the automaker moving lower in the after hours of the company's call now underway. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with the details. Phil. Melissa, those shares are moving lower entirely because of the guidance and what they're saying about the chip impact. Let me quickly give you the numbers for the first quarter because it was a really sensational quarter in terms of top and bottom line. They earned 89 cents a share. The estimate was for 21 cents a share. Automotive revenue coming in better than expected at $33.5 billion. But as I mentioned, the guidance is the reason the shares are moving lower. And it's all about what they're saying in terms of the impact of the chip shortage. Here are the numbers that they are giving in terms of updated guidance for production. They plan to lose 50%, half of their Q2 production, because they don't have enough of the semiconductor chips. They will lose 10% of their second half production. Total production lost. 1.1 million vehicles. Those were vehicles they planned on building this year that they will not be building. They also have 22,000 vehicles that they have built that are awaiting to have chips installed. So that's what they're sitting on right now. Just a few minutes ago, I had a chance to talk with Ford CFO. He says the total impact of this is $2.5 billion to the company's bottom line this year. That, by the way, falls within the guidance that they gave just a couple of months ago. He also believes that the worst of the chip impact will be in the second quarter. Here is Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, talking with our Jim Cramer just a few minutes ago about why he believes as bad as things are, this crisis is showing Ford's resilience. The good thing is our business is so much more you know, robust to absorb these kind of body blows. We're also seeing commodity costs increase, but we're able to offset them with the actions that we're making. You can hear more from Jim Farley. That is coming up tonight on Mad Money, sitting down with our Jim Cramer for an extended conversation. Guys, I will leave you with one statistic. A healthy, normal inventory for an automaker is 65 to, to 70 days supply. Guess how much Ford's supply is right now? Retail supply, 33 days and likely will be moving wow. lower this quarter. That ultimately means, Melissa, that not just Ford, but the entire industry 
prices are going to continue to stay high for the remainder of this year. It's just an extremely tight level of inventory, and that's not changing anytime soon. Phil, you got to think back to Tesla's quarter and how Tesla basically found other supplies of chips and avoided the impact of the right. chip shortage when you see Ford losing 1.1 million vehicles um, to the chip shortage. I mean, it's just staggering, the contrast here. One thing to, Melissa, one thing to keep in mind, mm-hmm. Ford was tightly tied in with Renesis. And uh, Renesis, okay. a chip supplier over there that, uh, that had a fire right. that brought down part of its foundry. So, I mean, they were directly impacted by that. Now, that's not to say that Renesis didn't sell chips to other automakers as well, but that's a big part of why Ford is taking a hit. Ah, okay. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau, he's always got answers. Um, Tim Seymour, how should we think about this, you know, staggering number of 1.1 vehicles, million vehicles that will not be built because of the chip shortage? I mean, unlike, you know, an iPhone production issue where, where you think, oh, well, those iPhones will be bought the next quarter or something like that. This is this. It's not the same here. Well, I think it is. I actually really? think those cars are going to be bought here. And yeah, I do. And, and I think if you think about the demand and the trends that we've seen, not only because of uh, where I think the, the economy is, where you have uh, a lot of the, uh, the age of existing inventories on the road, where you have the innovation that's coming out at Ford, uh, they just announced that they're, they're going over the top or they're, they're over the air uh, doing upgrade, software upgrades already on their F-150s and on their EV Mustangs. I mean, this is, this is a company that has got products that investors want to own and they're going to wait and they're waiting and and i think they have the money to spend because they've been uh not spending on other things the most impressive thing to me about ford uh is that the company is run so much better than it's ever been run ford Mm -hmm. international is now profitable everywhere except india that's an enormous achievement for a company that's been hapless uh in europe and hapless in parts of latin america um so i'm excited about ford i'm excited about ge gm excuse me and the valuations to me have to go higher based upon their ev businesses and what investors should be and are putting on EV businesses outside of those two American OEMs. So uh, I think that demand is there and they will wait. It looks like the biggest hit, as Phil had mentioned, is going to be in the second quarter um, and then taper off. So with that, um, Guy, could this be the time to get in? Yes. Look at, I mean, kudos to Tim and Karen, by the way. I'm sure Jeff has been on this as well. I'll say this. You look at this quarter, just this quarter, and you see what's possible for Ford. It's a ridiculous quarter, in my opinion. I don't know if Tim agrees or disagrees, but it was wonderful. Broke out of a seven-year downtrend back in November. Traded up and failed back at the January 2018 high. It's probably, what is it, trading 12 bucks here? I think you say they're going to, they'll all figure this out. Tim's right on valuation, and I think this sell-off makes sense to buy it here, in my opinion. All right. And Jim Farley, by the way, is a Georgetown grad, which is another reason. The more you know. Right the more you know. Yeah. All right, Apple, Facebook, and Ford, check those calls underway. We'll bring you the big headlines as we have them. Plus, we are watching Qualcomm, that stock on the move after reporting earnings. We'll bring you all the details. Plus, the other big story of the day, the Fed. We'll tell you what our traders are doing in the back of today's Fed decision. You're watching Fast Money here on CNBC. Back right after this. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up 
Building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at comcast.com slash project up. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are starting to get some early remarks from President Biden's delivery to a joint session of Congress tonight. Let's get to Eamon Javers for more. Eamon. Yeah, Melissa, that's right. The president tonight is going to be talking about about four trillion dollars in spending proposals that he's got up on Capitol Hill. The American Jobs Plan, as he calls it, and now released today, the American Families Plan. The president is going to say this is of interest to Wall Street viewers. He says uh, this plan recognizes something I've always said. Wall Street didn't build this country. The middle class built this country and unions built the middle class. He's also going to talk a little bit about the jobs that are going to be created as a result of his jobs plan. The president is going to say this will add millions of jobs and trillions of dollars in economic growth for years to come. He'll say these are good paying jobs that can't be outsourced. Nearly 90 percent of the infrastructure jobs created in the American jobs plan don't require a college degree. Seventy five percent don't require an associate's degree. So we expect to hear a lot more along those lines tonight, Melissa. The president is going to lay out uh, both of these big economic plans. He's also going to talk about uh, his response to COVID. Of course, foreign policy is going to be in there as well. And we expect to hear him talk a little bit about social justice and police reform as well. So a wide-ranging address to the nation tonight here on Capitol Hill. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers from Washington for us. When I heard the the statement, Wall Street didn't build this country, um, the middle class did or unions did, I really thought this really underscores his war against Wall Street and the war against wealth, when in actuality, uh, men of great wealth built this country also. (laughs) I mean, you have to look back to some of the biggest philanthropists, and they were business magnets of their time. Some of the wealthiest individuals in American history helped build this country, too. I'm not trying to to knock his point that the middle class maybe deserves some breaks. But I think that this is sort of a very rosy, rosy look at history here, Jeff. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you have to take a balanced view and and politics aside, trying to figure out what this means for the economy and what this means for the fiscal thrust that we're likely to see here going forward. And I think the bottom line is a lot of the fiscal stimulus is probably behind us because Mm -hmm. a a lot of this additional spending is going to have to be financed. And and I look at what's been proposed, and it's a big increase in entitlements. And if you parse through it, a lot of it is actually unfinanced. If if I can just give you an example, there's $700 million that the White House projects to save just from tougher tax enforcement. That's not going to be counted as scorable savings. So there are elements like that, which at least in my opinion means that this is going to have to be pared back significantly. Um, So even if it was going to be stimulative, the spending, I think that's going to have to come down some in order to offset it through taxes and other things, because in all likelihood, it's going to have to pass through reconciliation. Should Wall Street brace itself, Karen, in your view? Should the markets brace itself for some sort of negative impact from the Biden administration, um, whether it comes via higher capital gains taxes or higher corporate taxes? I mean, do you think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion to some degree? I think, yes, yeah, some taxes, some tax increase somewhere, I think, is a foregone conclusion. It's just a question of how much. I think a corporate tax that goes up to maybe 24, 25, that is maybe palatable. I think, you know, he's thr- I think he's trying to walk a thin line. He is trying to appeal to the progressives. I think ultimately he's more of a centrist and that he'll come out with something in the middle. And, you know, these are very grandiose plans. And, and, and as Jeff said, I, I don't think he can pay for them. I don't know. People, they, I guess people don't care anymore if you can pay for spending. That used to be a thing. Apparently, that's not a thing anymore. You don't need to pay for it. <laughs> but I don't think 
you can convince uh, the Senate particularly to to be on board for just giant tax increases across the board. Somewhere, yeah. yes, but everywhere, no. Guy, what do you be listening for tonight when he gives his address? No, well, I mean, the rhetoric is great. I think Karen's spot on. First of all, I won't be listening because I'll be watching the Yankee game, truth be told, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole. But, I mean, I've heard everything. I know pretty much what's going to be said. I'll say this. You know, Karen mentioned it doesn't matter how things get paid for. You know, Stephanie Kelton's been out there talking for a long time of this MMT stuff. And quite frankly, everything they've been talking about is coming to fruition right now. So who am I to cast aspersions? I'll say this. How do you trade it? Well, I do think on the back of all this, rates go higher. And I think banks and infrastructure and resources, I think Tim would echo that, are where places to be. Last quick comment, Tim. Market's up 28% in 125 days. Uh, I think people are underestimating the, the headwinds from higher tax talk. And, mm. and fiscal does not even come close to outweighing the multiplier effect from higher taxes. I'm concerned by this progressive talk. This, is not, yeah. this was not what was out there uh, on the election trail. All right. Coming up, Dogecoin goes all Hollywood, the latest celebrity chatter that sent this crypto to the moon. But first, we're all over the after-hours action. Qualcomm shares ripping higher in the back of results. We've got the numbers when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Qualcomm. Shares are ripping higher in the after hours. Let's get to John Ford for the breakdown. John. Melissa, a couple things. First, uh, Qualcomm on the call saying their auto design win pipeline is at $9 billion. Also saying that the rollout uh, of, uh, roll off, I should say, of Huawei's smartphone business to other OEMs is going to benefit them up to $10 billion uh, by 2022. But also want to give you a couple things that Steve Mollenkopf uh, and Christiana Amon told me uh, on a call before the call, particularly about uh, the mix and how they've handled the chip shortage. Uh, you know, Mollenkopf said, when we see opportunities to improve the mix and allocate the available supply to better products, we're doing that. You're seeing that in some of the recent strengths in QCT. We do expect there to be improvements in the supply as the actions that we and the suppliers are taking occur, but we're working our way through it. And even with a supply-constrained environment, we're able to get growth in the business. Now, following up on that, Christiana Amon told me, all of our business, we have more demand than supply. But the good thing is we've been able to utilize the scale, take advantage of a lot of actions of capacity planning, multi-sourcing. And two things are happening. I think with all the crisis, we've been, uh, we have the ability to get supply to fuel the growth this quarter, next quarter, and now we have line of sight to material improvements in our supply toward the end of this calendar year. So you do see the possibility of some of that easing of supply constraints around chips, Melissa. All right, John, thanks. John Fort, and so if this uh, comes to pass, and uh, Qualcomm is an underperformer relative to the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index year-to-date guy, what happens with this stock? Yeah. Well, I watched Josh Brown on the closing bell, and he said it's got to get through 150. Technically, he's right. I mean, this 143.5 level or so is where I thought it would hold back in February when it mm. broke down. It didn't. It traded lower. It's cheap. I mean, they have the revenue growth to support a higher valuation. I think it should justify a higher valuation, and I think the stock should be testing that recent all-time high. I think is 165 or so. So I like the name here, but it's disappointed so many people so many times over the last couple of years. Josh is probably right, needs to get above 150 to break out. Yeah. Tim, what do you think? 
Well, they didn't really have to give this kind of outlook uh, out, you know, on supply demand constraints and alleviating and better conditions out two or you know two quarters end of the year. I, you know, that's that's bullish. Obviously, the, the stock reflects it, um, and and I think it tells you that the the execution on the management here is they've really uh, been able to get together the supply and the demand dynamics when we know the demand is is certainly out there for them. The valuation is far from from difficult. And Guy talked about where the stock has been. I mean, that that was a pretty ugly period in February. Stock traded down. 25 percent and you know for the first three quarters of that month very very quickly is trying to recover here Uh, and on valuation in this space with that better outlook i think it's going to continue to go higher all right Uh, we're getting some headlines here out of the facebook call so let's get back to julia borson for that julia Hey, Mills, I know there's a lot of interest in what's being said about the Apple operating system change. CFO David Weiner saying they just began rolling out the update. So it's very low penetration rates right now and that they are so they don't really have a sense of how many people are going to be opting in or out. But they say they continue to be concerned about the impact that this update is going to have on the ability of small businesses to use their advertising budgets effectively. And they say that said, the impact on our own business we think will be manageable They expect it to be a headwind for the remainder of the year, but they say they're making progress on their own solutions to help advertisers navigate these changes. And then just another comment here about the advertising market in general. They say we're seeing very strong overall ad demand, which is contributing to a more positive outlook for 2021. Back over to you. All right, Julia. Thank you, Julia Borson. After our session highs, close to it for Facebook. And of course, this is a fresh record high for Facebook. Karen, what do you make of the comments so far? I think the, you know, advertising demand is really the the most important thing. And when you have that kind of revenue growth and you have that operating margin again, you're just going to get huge earnings. And I come back to it's really not. I mean, it's up $20 now in the aftermarket, but uh, it's still not crazy expensive at all. It's interesting that that uh, David Weiner guy was saying that there's no real sense of how this of the iOS update, if how that will impact Facebook at this point, because not too many people have actually gone through the upgrade process and opted in or opted out. And yet they're able to factor that into the guidance. Should we be a little bit more skeptical about what they're saying and how bullish they are? Three years ago, I would have said, absolutely. Now, (laughs) you know, you learn things over time. I mean, I try to learn over time like you, you don't fool, you don't get fooled by the same thing over and over again. And I've sort of gotten myself up to speed. I I actually say hundo P now to people, and they're like, oh, look how woke you are. So the short answer is no. I mean, everything about this stock, the the foundation of the stock is still in place. All the other things that we talk about are seemingly ancillary, including when they, uh, you know, they move themselves to Capitol Hill or they do it over a Zoom call. This stock is impervious to everything other than, and I'll say it again, if they somehow fall under the, the auspices or the eyeballs of ESG, that's the existential risk. Short of that, it should be a $400 stock. Wow. All right, coming up, Mark Cuban and Ellen DeGeneres chatting about Dogecoin. What are these two high-profile celebrities saying about this crypto? We'll bring you all the details next and later. We're gearing up for the busiest day of earnings season. Options traders are betting a big move on one tech name reporting tomorrow. We'll bring you the trade. Much more Fast Money in two. And then you got Dogecoin, which is just fun. But the weird part about it, it went from being a cryptocurrency joke to now becoming something that's becoming a, a digital currency. At the Mavs, we, we sell a lot of merchandise um, for Dogecoin. And you should look at it for the Ellen shop. You guys could sell a whole lot of stuff for Dogecoin. 
That was Mark Cuban talking of Dogecoin with Ellen DeGeneres, and the star power is out in full force. We also heard from Elon Musk. He is promoting his upcoming hosting gig on SNL with a tweet, The Doge Father. All of this sending Dogecoin. What else? Soaring today. It is now at more than 6,000% this year, but still off its all-time highs. We should note that Mark Cuban said that he thinks that this is a way for people to learn about cryptocurrencies, to learn how the markets move and, and how to invest. Um, he says it's slightly better than a lottery ticket, so it's not exactly pounding the table here. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of people who see these celebrities talking about Dogecoin, Jeff, and they want to buy it. I mean, call it the, the influencer effect on, on investing today, but this is what is going on. Yeah, it is. I mean, is it Dogecoin? Is it Dogecoin? I don't even like saying it, and people can't even seem to agree on how to say it, so <laughs> I don't know what that says for the legitimacy of it. But I've heard a couple of people say this today, and it is actually interesting in that it somewhat increases the legitimacy of other crypto assets. So think about Bitcoin, Ethereum. It also makes them seem like the sleepy, kind of stable areas of crypto. So I thought that was an interesting take. But look, in my view... In, in a lot of ways, with these assets, whether it's GameStop, Dogecoin, it's, it's worse than what you saw in the tech bubble, because at least then people were trying to justify the future with cash flow projections and other things, even if they were wrong. And I sent out a note to our advisors this week, and I said, look, this is an exercise in helping our clients fight FOMO. It's really hard to watch a lot of people seemingly make a lot of money by not doing very much. Um, but if, if you can withstand kind of standing on the sidelines, that's what you should be doing. If you can't, play with a little bit of money, but really try not to get sucked in too hard, because if you do, uh, it, it might be difficult to get out and you may end up losing a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Karen, uh, Mark Cuban makes a good point in that, you know, Doge, Doge may not technically be a currency, but he is basically legitimizing it by accepting it at the Maverick shop. I mean, and enabling people to use the, the Dogecoin or Dogecoin, as he says, um, to buy paraphernalia. I, okay, I accept that, that that's real. Okay, I, I, I don't know that I accept that really happens. I mean, he's a great investor. That doesn't make Dogecoin a great investment at all. It's like, you know, if you go to a carnival, let's say you went to the, <laughs> the Greater Fool Carnival and they pass out <laughs> script, you know, those little cardboard little tickets, except they just made unlimited amounts of them. So you can imagine that that might hurt the ultimate value of them. And it, it does nothing. You can't use it for anything. It's not a store of value. But apparently you can give those scripts, I guess, to get some Maverick swag. Maybe Ellen DeGeneres, you'll get some Ellen swag as well. It's, it's insane to me. It's absolutely insane. I get, you have to know, you have to know, the likelihood of your losing money is so high. If you just want to do it for fun, think of it as only fun. Tickets to a carnival, maybe you'll win a stupid little stuffed animal. Great, good. Other than that, I mean, it's insane. Whenever the chairwoman starts a story off with, let's say you have a carnival of greater fools, you know it's going to be a really, really, really good metaphor. And I think it was in this case. Coming up, set to take flight. One big tech giant on deck to report earnings tomorrow after the bell. We've got that trade and much more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast. We're gearing up for Twitter earnings tomorrow after the bell. Options traders are betting on a big move from the high-flying social stock. Bonoen Eisen joins us to break down the action. Hey, Bonoen. Hey, how's it going, Mel? So, yeah, looking at Twitter, pretty interesting setup going into earnings with calls outpacing puts two to one. And then drilling down into the at-the-money straddle, you can see that options are implying 
about a 9% move in either direction between now and Friday X free, which captures the earnings move. Compare that to an average earnings move of about 11.5%, so slightly muted uh, implied volatility here. And the trade that really jumped off the tape to me, about 5,000 of the May 85 calls traded at an average price of 35 cents. And that looked to be initiated from a seller. So they're positioning themselves for a break even around 85.35 or betting that the stock will finish below 130% of current spot. All right, thanks for that, uh, Bonowin. Tim, what are you expecting out of Twitter? Look, they, they, the last time they gave us their investor day, they talked about monetization dynamics that were extraordinary. And the more the company's been talking to us over the both investor day and the last earnings calls, um, I, the more momentum goes back into the stock and, and investors start to realize that maybe they've turned a corner. That's still uh, not entirely clear, but uh, DAU growth, fine. Ad revenue growth, excellent. Um, stock needs to hold $65, I think, $64, $65. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm along the stock. I, I, I think the, uh, the continued move higher in terms of their re-rating story is is we're in the middle of it. It, it didn't just die. Uh, it certainly built a fire two, three months ago, and I think we're still there. All right. For more ac- options action, be sure to tune into the full show Friday at 530 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you, Bonoin. Up next, final trade. The countdown is on. We are just hours away from a CNBC stock draft special. It all kicks off tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Tim is competing once more again with his team, which is himself, Seymour Alpha. Um, you've got the number one draft right. pick, Tim. <laughs> so That's can right. you give us a hint? Yeah. Number one draft pick? Look, you, yeah, you sound very dismissive. Seymour Alpha's been in the hunt every year. The stakes are high. I've got the number one pick. I'm telling you, there are some five-tool athletes out there, like an Apple or an Amazon, that could be the number one picks. I'm not, I'm not giving away anything here. Obviously, a uh, big day tomorrow. And, and I can just tell you, the, comp- the competition this year has never been more fierce. The stakes never been higher. Phenoms like Bitcoin and play. I mean, like, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's all, all in out there. there. It's, it's exciting. All in there. Tune guys, in tomorrow. Guy's going to be in there for a, a halftime sort of breakdown, Guy. So any quick thoughts mm-hmm. here? Got that. Me and JC. All I know is as long as O'Leary loses, I'm happy. <laughs> I hope he hears that. <laughs> Time for the final trade. Let's go so around too. the horn. <laughs> Jeff Mills. <laughs> REITs continue to be an under-the-radar outperformer. I like industrials and towers, but FREL is a good way to get broad exposure. Tim Seymour Alpha. (laughs) Energy. Energy. Maybe we'll be picking Schlumberger tomorrow, but I'm picking it tonight. SLB. Karen. Yeah, I'm not anti-crypto. I'm anti-Doge, and I want to be long GM if it trades down tomorrow on the court news. Guy Adami. Mr. Wonderful. Prudential Financial into earnings next week, Mel. <laughs> Thanks for watching Fast. We'll see you tomorrow at the stock draft at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? 
At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.